listening to the Retro Sermons Podcast. Find out more at NorthColumbusChristians.com slash Retro Sermons. I'm grateful for your presence on this Lord's Day evening as we continue our feast with you of the wonderful words of life. There are several scriptures we want to read in your hearing, and each of these scriptures contains the wording of our subject. And so you listen now with reverence and godly fear as we read. In Luke chapter 19, 10, Christ said, I came to seek and to save the lost. Second Corinthians 4 and verse 3, If our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. Luke chapter 15, 24, This my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. If you listen carefully, there's two words in this reading in each passage, the lost. Thus tonight we're going to talk for a while upon the subject of the saddest words revealed in the Word of God, and these words are the lost. I can think of nothing any sadder than the lost. Let me first of all impress upon your mind that the Word of God reveals there are two classes of people who are lost. All responsible souls who are outside the Lord Jesus Christ are lost. If you're outside of Jesus Christ tonight, you are lost as responsible souls because Almighty God has located salvation in Christ Jesus. In 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 10, I knew all things for the elect's sake that they may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. In John chapter 10 and verse 9, Jesus said, I'm the door, and by me if any man enters in, he shall be saved. In Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 7, in whom, talking about Christ, we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 17, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things are passed away, all things made new. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 20, All the promises of God in Him are ye. Colossians chapter 2, 9 and 10, In Him, talking about Christ, dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. You're complete in Christ. Thus, if you're outside of Jesus Christ, you're outside of this saved relationship, and you're lost. You can't find salvation where it's not. You can't find salvation in human institution religion because it's not there. Every plant that my heavenly Father hath not planted shall be rooted up. Except the Lord built a house, they that built it labor in vain. You can't find salvation in the law of Moses. God didn't put it there. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 16, By the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. In verse 21, If righteousness came by the law then Jesus Christ died in vain. You can't find salvation at the point of faith. God didn't put it there. In Luke chapter 6 and verse 46, Why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things that I say? Jesus Christ came to His own, His own received not. As many as received Him, He gave Him the right to become the sons of God, even as many as believe on His name. You can't find salvation where it's not. You can't find salvation in prayer at the altar. As we mentioned this morning, Paul tells us 
God has located prayer for God's people in Christ Jesus, 1 Thessalonians 5, 17. We have a Bible example of an alien son of praying. Acts chapter 22, 16. He was told to arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. You can't find it there. You can't find it on the deathbed either. I've heard preachers preach funerals. Here's a person who died on the deathbed, and they'll say, I'll tell you right now, I heard him whisper the name of Jesus before he died. And so he's safe now in the arms of Jesus. You can't find Jesus' salvation where God didn't put it. He didn't put it on the deathbed. Not everyone that saith, Lord, Lord, in the kingdom, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. If one is not able physically to do God's will, he's waited too late. And then you can't find salvation after death either. There's some who are teaching you can. Why, if your precious loved ones have died in sin, why, somebody can be baptized for them. Or somebody can give some money and pray them out of purgatory, as they call it. Can't find it there in the Bible. John chapter 8, 24, If you believe not that I am He, ye shall die in your sins. And verse 21 says, If you die in your sins, whether I go, you can't come. You can't find salvation where God hasn't put it. Suppose tomorrow, Brother Joe Shane comes here to the building, and I'm out here in a tree. I have a long fishing pole and a long cord, long string, and a big hook and a minnow on it. And that minnow is just giving it that, still alive. Brother Joe said, oh, Brother Murr, what are you doing? I said, I'm fishing. Well, it wouldn't be long he'd be calling my wife, said Roberta. You know about Oliver? Now, if I was doing that, my wife would soon, we have a place in Texas called Rusk. Texas, out of Lufkin. And she'd be calling Russ and said, you have room for another. I think we've got one here. <laughs> I'd go to the crazy house, wouldn't I? I can't find fish life in a tree. God didn't put it there. He put it in the water. And you can't find salvation where God didn't put it. And God has placed it. It was approved by the Word of God. He's placed it in Christ. And that's the only place you can find it. Only place. A second class of people who are lost, we find many have left this saved relationship. Many have left it. They found salvation in Christ, but they have left it. In John chapter 6 and verse 66, from that time, many of His disciples turned back and they walked no more with Him. Jesus says, without Me, ye can do nothing. Can't do anything without Christ. And so they have left the Lord Jesus Christ. Over in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 4, if you seek to be justified by the law, you are severed, you are cut off from Christ. And so many have been cut off from Christ. They have left this safe relationship and gone back to the world. They're lost. In Matthew chapter 16, 26, Jesus said, What is a man profited if he will gain the whole world and lose his own soul? And so tonight we're going to talk to you upon this very grave subject. That is, what will it mean if I lose my soul? Do you think about that often? What will it mean if I lose my soul? In 2 Corinthians chapter 13, 5, Paul says to examine yourself. 
First Timothy chapter 4, 16, Take heed to thyself. What will it mean if I lose my soul? Well, first of all, we need to give a Bible definition of the word soul. There are several definitions the Bible gives of the soul. If you didn't know this, and if you don't know this, if somebody knocks on your door and they say they are witnesses for Jehovah and they want to talk to you about the Word of God and about your soul, you're in deep trouble. If you didn't know, there are several definitions to the word soul. Now, one definition of the word soul, and this may surprise you, but it's the Bible. One is soul has reference to man and beast and animal. Does that shock you? Now, this is the only definition the so-called witnesses believe. The Bible teaches this, but it teaches other definitions. You mean to tell me animals and beasts have souls like man? That's right. You've come to Columbus, Mississippi, Brother Murray, with a strange doctor. Never heard that in all my life. I'm going to prove it to you. Animals have souls. In Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7, listen to it now. And the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed in his nostrils, breathed in his nostrils, the breath of life, the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Breath of life, a living soul. All right? In Genesis chapter 6 and verse 17, And behold, I, even I, do bring a flood of water upon the earth to destroy all flesh. Get it now? All flesh wherein is the breath of life or a living soul. All flesh. In Genesis chapter 7 and verse 21, we read these words concerning this same matter. And behold, I, even I, do bring a flood of water upon the earth to destroy all flesh wherein is the breath of life. Now Genesis 7. And all flesh died that moved upon the earth, both of fowl and of cattle and of beast, every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth, and every man, all in whose nostrils is the breath of life, or a living soul. Leviticus chapter 24 and 18, He that killeth a beast shall make it good, beast for beast, life for life, or soul for soul. And so animals have what is called the breath of life, and we have that. And it's called the soul. And this is the only definition those who call themselves witnesses believe. They believe that man and beast and animal have a soul, only one soul, and they're all alike. That's not so. That's one definition. There's another definition of the word soul. The word soul is used in regard to persons or people. In 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 20, there were eight souls, people, persons, saved in the ark. Eight persons, eight souls. Acts chapter 27, 37, there were 200, 276 souls on the ship headed towards Rome. 276 people. Now this morning, we had 123 people, persons, souls of trust. That's a second definition. But then there's a third definition of the word soul. Now here it is. 
The word soul refers to the inner man, the spirit of man. I'm here to tell you, animals do not have this. Mr. Thayer, on page 323 and 520, as he defines the word soul, he says the fountain and seat of thoughts, passions, desires, appetites, affection, the heart, the inner man, that which differs from the body and is not dissolved by death. Animals don't have that. After God had made all the birds of the air, and all the beasts of the field, and all the fish of the sea. He said, let us make man in our image and our likeness. There's a part of you and a part of me just as eternal and everlasting as is God or deity is called the soul. Animals don't have that. But we do. We do. Psalms chapter 22 and verse 26, we are told that the heart shall live forever. He's not talking about the blood pump. We have trouble with that sometimes, don't we? One of these days it'll cease to pump blood and we'll be dead physically. But David said the heart is going to live eternally. He's talking about the spirit or the soul of man. It's eternal. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 16, though the outward man perish, the inward man is renewed day by day. What knoweth the things of man save the spirit of man that is in him? James says the body without the spirit is dead. Ecclesiastes 12 and verse 7, we are told the dust shall return to the earth from whence it was taken, and the spirit shall return to God who gave it. Physical death is a separation of the body and the soul, the body and the spirit. The body goes back to the dust and the spirit goes back to God who gave it. In Daniel chapter 7, 15, Daniel said, I was grieved in my spirit in the midst of my body. Matthew chapter 10, 28, Jesus said, Don't fear them that kill the body. Rather fear him that's able to destroy both body and soul in hell. And so there's a part of you called your soul, your spirit, in the image and the likeness of deity. Now what will it mean if you lose that? If you lose your soul? Well, let's see if we can find out. First of all, it'll mean this. It'll mean God's love, God's grace, God's mercy extended in the death of Christ all in vain as far as I'm concerned you're concerned if your soul is going to be lost Romans chapter 5 and verse 8 God commended his love towards us in that while we were sinners Christ died for us John chapter 3 16 and 17 God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son God sent His Son in the world, not to condemn the world, but the world through Him might be saved. In 1 John chapter 3 and verse 1, The whole what man of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. 1 John 4, 19, We love Him because He first loved us. All that love of Almighty God is in vain if my soul is lost and your soul is lost. Titus chapter 2 and verse 11, The grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. God's grace. 
Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 9, we are told that Jesus Christ, by the grace of God, tasted death for every man. Titus chapter 3 and verse 5, not by works of righteousness which we've done, but according to His mercy He saved us. Thus, if my soul is lost, if yours is lost, all that's in vain. Now, Jesus Christ hung upon the cross, Matthew chapter 27, crying, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? That's all in vain if your soul is lost. What will it mean if I lose my soul? My friends, it'll mean that you have lost everything. That's all you've got. Your soul, that's all you've got. In 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 7, Paul said, We brought nothing. We brought nothing to this world. It is certain we'll take nothing out. Brought nothing here, take nothing out. There's no pockets in shrouds. You don't take anything with you. Several years ago, my wife and two other couples from Houston decided we'd go up to the Grand Ole Opera for a visit. And we were running ahead of schedule and went by Memphis, Tennessee, and I believe I suggested, let's go by and see Elvis's estate. I'd heard about it. And they had two. Well, let's go by Memphis, Tennessee, and see Elvis's estate. And we did. And we toured his million-dollar-plus airplane inlaid with gold is something to see you haven't seen it. Over on the hillside was his mansion. We went through that. Elvis is gone and the airplane's still here and the mansion's still here and one of these days they'll be gone. He didn't take it with him. You won't take yours either. First John chapter 2 and verse 17. The world with its lust shall pass away. Second Peter chapter 3, 10 and 11 we are told the earth shall melt with fervent heat and all the works therein are going to be burned up. This whole earth is going to be destroyed. All the works therein. Brought nothing here, take nothing out. If you lose your soul, you've lost it all. What will it mean if I lose my soul? It will mean this. It will mean I've lost the only real joy there is in this life. And that's the salvation of your soul. Oh, I know there's pleasure in sin, but it's not lasting. Moses, when he came to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Choosing rather to suffer afflictions with the people of God than to enjoy, enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. It's not lasting. Out in Texas, we have the happy hour. They mean by that you come in and you drink your beers and you drink your wine, you drink your whiskey, and that's your happy hour. They don't tell what happened when you leave the bar. Get on the highway and get killed or kill somebody else. That's the happy hour. As we were coming into Mississippi, I saw a happy hour in Mississippi, over around Kosciuszko or somewhere. And you know what Mississippi's happy hour is? Burger King. I told my wife, I said, look the difference in Mississippi and Texas. Of course, that's not so. They have their happy hour places here too. But there's no real happiness in it. Luke chapter 15, the prodigal son took his substance, went off to a far off country, and there he wasted his substance in riotous living. He wound up in the hog pen, didn't he? There's no happiness in a life of sin. There's no happiness there. 
Over in Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 15, the way of the transgressor is hard. A life of sin is a hard life. And it'll show on your face. Do you know that? I have a little poem here and it's called that. It'll show on your face. Let me read it to you. You don't have to tell how you live every day. You need not reveal whether you work or you play. For the trusty barometer is always in place. However you live, it'll show on your face. The sin and deceit you keep in your heart cannot be kept in when once given a start. Tissues and blood are but thin walls of lace. What you wear on your heart, you must wear on your face. If you've battled and won in the great game of life, if you've striven and conquered through sorrow and strife, if you've played the game fair and reached but first base, you won't have to tell, it'll show on your face. If your life has been unselfish for others, you've lived not for what you can get, but what you can give. If you've lived close to God and His infinite grace, you won't have to tell, it'll show on your face. And that's right. The preacher says, A merry heart maketh a cheerful countenance. But by sorrow of the spirit, by sorrow of the heart, the spirit is broken. A merry heart doeth good like a medicine, but a broken spirit drieth the bones. It'll show on your face. There was an artist one time who wanted to paint a picture of somebody he thought looked like Jesus. And he scoured the earth over. And he finally found a godly, dedicated, faithful, earnest Christian child of God. He told him his purpose. He felt, oh, I'm not worthy of that. No way. No way. But finally he consented. And the artist painted his picture for Christ. Glowing countenance. Happy countenance. A servant of God. Then he said, I want to find somebody now that looks like old Judas is carried. The one who portrayed the Lord. And he scoured the earth over and finally found the fellow. He told him his purpose. It made him mad at first, the man. Got mad. He's no way, no way. Go ahead, I don't care. Paint it. And to make a long story short, it was the same man he painted for Christ. He left the Lord and went back to sin. It'll show on your face. The only real happiness in this life is serving God. You know that? Whoso trusteth in the Lord, happy is he. Happy is the man that has Jehovah for his maker. Revelation chapter 22 and verse 14. Blessed are happy are those that do his commandments. I preach a sermon sometime. In fact, I started to preach it tonight. But I changed my mind. The joy of preaching the gospel. There's joy in preaching the gospel. I really enjoy it. And there are many reasons why it's a joy to preach the gospel. And number one is because you're doing what God and Christ commands. And there's joy in doing that. Mark chapter 16, 16, there's joy in doing what the Lord said. And the Lord said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Don't you remember when you were baptized? I know my brother and I do over here to Luxpalaya River. I can still hear him singing, Happy day, happy day, when Jesus washed my sins away when I came from the water. That was a happy day. It's getting happier every day. When you do what the Lord says, it brings happiness. The eunuch came from the water, and the Bible said he went on his way rejoicing. I love to think about that. Don't you like to think about when you were baptized? You were happy, weren't you? 
You remember that? Oh, yes. Then Hebrews chapter 10, 25, after obeying the gospel of Christ, the Bible tells us, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as a man of some is. And so we're to come together, come together. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, come together, come together in one place. Acts chapter 27, upon the first of the week, when the disciples came together. I'm telling you, there's joy in that. It was David who said in Psalms 122.1, I was glad when they said to me, Come, let us go to the house of the Lord. And I awakened this morning, this is the day the Lord hath made. And this is the day we're going to begin our gospel meeting at East Columbus. And I was looking forward to it and enjoying it now. It's good to come and be together with God's people. And as we come together, Colossians chapter 3 and verse 16 and 9 other passages, we're taught to teach and admonish one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. There is joy in singing. Wasn't that good singing this morning and tonight? Preach a sermon on heaven and why I want to go there. And one of the reasons is I want to go there because the singing. Oh, I love good gospel singing. I'm so glad God put singing to worship. Is any merit among you? Let him sing psalms. There's joy and there's happiness in singing. And God knew that and he put it into worship. In 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 18, Peter said to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. There is joy and there's happiness in studying and meditating upon the Word of God to tell this story. Blessed are those that do His commandments. They may have a right to the tree of life enter through the gate through the city. Are we hungry and thirst after righteousness? Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, 6. Blessed are those that do hunger and thirst after righteousness. They shall be filled. So there's joy in studying. If you pardon the personal reference, I have a little office out behind my house my son-in-law built for me several years ago. And I paint my charts out there. Have a draftsman board. I get to painting these charts and putting the scriptures on these charts and I get plumb happy out there by myself. I'm thinking I'm going over here to uh, Gladewater, Texas as I was last week before that. I'm going to preach. And there's joy in preparing hunger Thirst after righteousness. Happy is that man. There's joy in studying to tell the story. Now if your soul is lost, you're missing all that. And then Matthew chapter 25, 23. Well done thou good and thy faithful servant. Enter thou in to the joys of thy Lord. Get to go to heaven and be with deity forever. You're going to miss that if your soul is lost. What will it mean if I lose my soul? It will mean I stand in fear of death, in fear of judgment, in fear of torment. If you're here tonight and you're outside of Jesus or you have left the Lord Jesus Christ as a child of God, you stand in fear of death, of judgment, and torment. In Hebrews chapter 9, 27, it's appointed unto man wants to die after this cometh the judgment. In Ecclesiastes 9 and verse 5, the living know that they shall die. 1 Samuel chapter 20 and verse 3, there's but a step between me and death. And so we're going to die. Just a step between us and death. This could be our last service tonight. We don't have the promise tomorrow. Our life is as a vapor. It appears for a little time and soon it will vanish away. 
and then comes the judgment. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ to receive the things in our bodies, whether good or bad. God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or bad. And it will be a fearful thing to fall in the hands of the living God. Hebrews 10, 31. The great day of His wrath has come, and who shall be able to stand? And after judgment comes torment. Eternal separation from God in the lake of fire. Because Paul said the Lord is coming in flaming fire. He's going to take vengeance on them that know not God and obey not the gospel. And they're going to be punished with everlasting destruction from the prince of God and the glorious power. Matthew chapter 25, 41. Depart from me, you cursed, into everlasting fire. Prepared for the devil and his angels. Verse 46. These shall go into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal. What will it mean if I'm lost? If my soul is lost? It'll mean, as we emphasized in our Bible class this morning, it'll mean somebody else is lost. Some of you are not in that class, and I'm going to repeat this. You don't go to heaven by yourself. If you go to heaven, you'll take somebody with you. I want to read some scriptures. Now listen. Philippians chapter 1, 27, Only let your conversation be as it befitteth the gospel of Christ. Philippians 2, 15, That you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked nation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. The grace of God that bring us salvation appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worthy loss, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present life. Seeing that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of person ought to be in all holy conversation and godliness? 2 Peter 3 and verse 11. In Philippians chapter 1 and verse 20, Paul said, In nothing I shall be ashamed. Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether by life or death, for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20, I am crucified with Christ, yet I live, yet not I, but Christ that liveth in me. Do you think for one minute a person can live that kind of life and have no influence? I don't believe a word of that. If you live that kind of life, you're going to influence somebody to go to heaven. Because Paul says, ye are our epistles, written in our hearts, known and read of all men. The only Bible some people read is your life and mine. And so if we live this kind of life, we're going to have influence on somebody. Somebody's going to be influenced by it. Also, you don't go to hell by yourself. If the blind leave the blind, they'll both fall in the ditch. And so you don't go to hell by yourself. Evil companionship corrupt good manners, good morals. Luke chapter 16, you recall, the rich man died, and in Hades he lifted up his eyes, being in torment. The first thing he thought about while he was tormented in this flame, I want just a touch of water on my tongue. He became concerned in himself, but he's too late. Then he became concerned in his five brethren back here upon this earth. I've got five brethren. Go and testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. Why was he concerned in his five brethren while in torment? Because he was concerned in himself. 
Why was he not concerned in his five brethren while he lived? Because he wasn't concerned in himself. Isn't that right? That's right. When you are concerned in going to heaven, you're concerned that somebody go with you. And if you go to torment, somebody's going with you. 